and we tune our ears. We need our hearts challenged today in this important area as we interface with our culture. We want to walk in the truth. We want to live the truth. We want to have Christ-centered families. And so give us discernment, Lord. Give us the ability to know how to live in this world, but not be of this world. I thank you for Pastor Mark, uh, for his um, leadership here, his influence upon our young people, his love for your word, his love for your church. Please encourage his heart now as he challenges us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I considered the title, The Rattlesnake in the Home, you just think of all sorts of creative things you can bring, especially if it's going to be outside. And of course, I thought to myself, man, maybe I could bring a real rattlesnake. And wouldn't that just be amazing? And so I got my box. Then I thought, well, we're in West Virginia. That probably wouldn't be a good idea, uh, especially if we had new people come and they'd be thinking, what in the world kind of place are we at? We got rattlesnakes and where's the poison at? And and so we are, not, uh, we are not doing that today. But how many of you here are snake lovers? You love snakes. We have a few odd, odd people out there. Okay. Uh, snake lovers. How many of you are, you probably are on the verge of being petrified of snakes? Okay. So more of the, yeah. Okay. Normal people. Gotcha. <laughs> and there are those of you here that, yeah, you really don't love them, but you're not afraid of them, like myself. <laughs> That's right. What would you do? I, maybe for those of you who are of the petrified persuasion, what would you do if you found that you had a snake in your home? You saw that little black tail just slither away into a crevice. What would you do? (laughs) That happened to Brian. That's great. I I can tell you exactly what I would do. I know exactly what I would do. You know, you can just imagine you're cleaning the home and you're reaching down into the underneath the sink in the bathroom and you, you, you come here and all of a sudden you open the door and wham, there it is. <laughs> oh, my kids and I worked on this. <clears throat> when I mean my kids and I, oh, thank you. <laughs> And when I mean my kids and I worked on this, I worked on it. Once I got frustrated and impatient, I told him, as I was working on a technology sermon, go watch television. (laughs) Oh, the ultimate babysitter. That's awful, isn't it? That's awful. But it is true. Um, Well, I mean, what would you do if that was there? Like I said, I, I would tell you what I would do. I would jump out of my shoes and I would scream like a girl. And I can tell you that I would do that because I have done that. My shoes stayed on, but I screamed like a girl. It was so embarrassing. 
uh, my wife and I were just, uh, uh, I think, about a year married, and you know, you're still trying to impress her at that point. She wasn't impressed. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. How would you walk around your home if you had a rattlesnake in your home? I tell you what, I wouldn't go in my home. I'd be calling someone to get this little thing out of there. I wouldn't dare go in. But if I had to, I'd tell you what I would do. I would walk around with fear and trepidation, listening for the slightest rattle, the smallest hiss. I would be out of there. Yet in some sense, we all... We all have a rattlesnake in our home. But it doesn't make the sound of a rattle or a hiss, does it? It makes the noise of a a ring, a ping, or a ding. (laughs) And it also doesn't cause us to walk around in fear and trepidation. On the other hand, rather, it beckons us, come. And we heed its call with little thought of who owns who. And with little consideration of its poisonous venom that wreaks havoc on our families. Digital technology is that slippery snake. At least that's what we're talking about this morning. How do we handle this crafty serpent from pulling our families apart? How should Christian families think about technology? That's a big topic and one which we most definitely cannot cover in full in one message. But I I want us to know and just be reminded that we can have victory in this area of our families. Our technology does not have to pull our family apart and can actually be used to bring us together. Just remember, a poisonous snake slithering around the home with no boundaries is a deadly thing. But, on the other hand, a slithering snake found within the confines of established, consistent boundaries can actually be a beautiful thing. How many of you like looking at snakes behind glass? (laughs) Thank you, Luke. (laughs) I do too. They're beautiful. And you can have so much enjoyment as a result of them. Satan is after our families, and I think this series has kind of demonstrated that. And technology is one of his lethal attacks in breaking the family apart. But before we turn to Genesis chapter 3, which will be for the remainder of our time, before we turn to Genesis 3 to be reminded of his method of attack in relation to technology, let me just say four things in relationship to technology 
Just to get four things out there of technology as Christians should think about them. One is this, that technology is not inherently good and it's not inherently evil. It is the human application that makes it good or evil. So we can have a couple of different approaches when it comes to technology as we as Christians think about it and its use for us personally and for our families. One is the, the Amish approach to technology. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to put boundaries. I don't want to have to do anything with it. It's just bad. And so we're not going to use anything. And so it's cast out. I would probably discourage, what I mean probably, I'm, I will discourage that approach. Now if you do it, it's not a wrong thing to do, but I would discourage that. One, it brings us, um, pulls us out of the world. Uh, we lessen our uh, effectiveness to impact people for Jesus' sake. The majority of the world is online in some extent, on social media and those kinds of things. Now, now, there might be some of you in a particular situation where, one, you might not be allowed to be on social media at this time. Well, that's fine. Um, but God wants you and I to have an impact on the lives of people in this world. And that's where they're found. And we can have such a huge impact when it comes to technology for Christ's sake. The other approach could be this. You are, you are the tech-saturated person. That you don't care what it is. If it dings or it whistles, I needs it, I wants it, I gots to have it. It's mine. And you have 20 computers and 5 iPhones and a couple of iPads, why I'm not sure. But you, you have all this stuff and you're just, you don't care what it is. You gotta have it. And you are on every single social media thing that's out there. Why? I would love it if it wasn't, didn't exist. I would discourage that approach as well. And I would encourage the discerning Christian approach. That you and I as Christians have been called by God to use our minds, to love God with our minds, with our strength, with our soul, so on and so forth. And we need to think about how technology is going to impact our lives personally and our family, family's life personally. And how it's going to change us for the good and for the worse, for the bad. So technology is not inherently good or evil. But we need to discern how it's going to change and impact us because it will. Number two is this phrase that was popularized by a man whose name was Marshall McLuhan. It's this, the medium is the message. The medium is the message. What does that mean? It means this, that there is an underpinning ideology behind all technology. 
What does that mean? For example, the cell phone. Those wonderful devices. The cell phone has an ideology in and of itself. It's not just that mechanism which allows us to communicate long distance or whatever else we want to do with it. But it has itself a message. And this is the message that the cell phone was first developed for the purpose of the businessmen and women for them to be in constant contact with their employer and um, those either they sell to, so on their clients. And they needed instant access to those people. Now I will venture to say that the vast majority of us right now have a cell phone in our pockets. And the ideology behind the cell phone is this. Instant access is priority. Instant contact is God. And you and I have fallen in hook, line, and sinker believing that ideology. When did that happen? When did we start believing that? Remember the good old days when the phone was on the wall? <laughs> Whew. And you, you, had, you could only... You could only go so far from it. Some of you had the big cords. You could go like 60 feet or so, wrapping around. Things. And then when you left the home, no one could get a hold of you. It was glorious. For those of you who are um, technology natives and you were born in this, you have no clue what that's like. It was a glorious day. It was the good old days. Oh, man. <clears throat> but all of a sudden, after a few years, and it just seems like it's flown by, we have all just grabbed onto this idea that we have to be in contact instantly. And we get upset when we text someone and they don't immediately text us back. Pastor Van does that to me all the time. <laughs> I do it on purpose. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> the medium is the message. And we have to be cautious. And we have to, we have to analyze, okay, what is this going to do to me? And how is this going to change me? And how is this going to change my family and our family dynamic? Number three, technology is not just an additive, but a life changer. You don't just add technology to your life. It's just an addition to your life. No, technology is going to change your life. It will change your life. You add another social media, um, whatever, to your life. It is going to change your life. It's going to take more time. It's going to allow you to waste more time. It's going to change you. It will. Technology, number four, technology carries both risk and opportunity. Technology carries both risk and opportunity. So... Um, this, this is a fairly, I guess, negative message towards technology. But I want us to also know that there is huge blessing in technology that we have, digital technology. But there's also risk, of course. Just for this, for instance, the phone again. 
our iPhones, our Androids, they give us the risk of instant access to the internet with all the dangers and trappings that we find there. But it also opens up grand opportunities to stay in contact with family members that are 3,000 miles away in an instant and have that opportunity to continue to build that relationship with them. To have opportunities to spread the gospel to more people. So on and so forth. There are grand opportunities that it provides for us. So there's risk. There's opportunities that technology provides. The question is, how are you going to use the technology that God has blessed you with for His glory? And so you and I, Christians, have to think hard how we're going to allow this technology to shape, change, and Maneuver our families. Men, how are you going to lead when it comes to technology and your home? Because ultimately, we're responsible. Now let's turn to Genesis 3 just to remind ourselves of the method of the enemy's attack in relationship to technology. Um, familiar chapter, verses 1 to 7. Let's just remind ourselves once again as we read God's word. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Well, the serpent's tactics in our lives are very similar to what has occurred or what occurred to Adam and Eve here in the garden. And so as we think about the enemy's tactics in our lives in relationship to technology and our family, he uses the same kind of methodology. No, it's not a fruit, a forbidden fruit that we are not to eat but it is a technology that he's, God has blessed us with that can now be used for inappropriate purposes. So how does he use technology to separate, to downplay the family? Technology, one, technology dominates our family time. Technology dominates our family time. And this is brought out in this idea that it dominates family time through distraction. It dominates family time through distraction. And we even see the tactic here used in Genesis 3 where the serpent distracts Eve um, away from the truth, away from the Lord, 
onto the forbidden fruit and distracts her attention. But you and I, we're never distracted by our technology, right? If we're honest with ourselves. And it's not the case at all. Because as we think about, as we think about the internet, as we think about our phones, their very purpose is in, is in order to distract us. We hear a ding, we hear a whistle, and we run and we go. We have a video game. We have, we have these little things where you just go, boop, boop, mindless things where these things just jump up. And you've never played this before? I haven't either. But I saw a bunch of kids in the first service playing it. <laughs> boop, boop. Are you kidding me? But they're so addicting, right? They distract us from what is good. From what is helpful, they distract us from our families. Our family, God has designed in order to be together. They are distractions. It also, it dominates family time through isolation. Isolation. You often, you might see a, a teen or a kid, maybe even an adult... They'll plug in their earbuds, even inside the house, maybe in the car, and they isolate themselves from their family. And don't, don't we see a similar kind of thing happening to Eve with the serpent? What does he do? He focuses on her and isolates her away from her husband in some sense. Draws her away and the serpent attacks. What does he attack? He attacks the nucleus of the family. The husband and the wife, they didn't have children at that time. And he goes after them. And parents don't think that this is, a, this is a message for your teen or for your kids. This is a message for you and for me. Because we need to be the example. Technology dominates our family time, and we need to consider and think about that too. Technology deteriorates our family structure. It deteriorates the family structure. The structure that God has placed as the father leads his home, as the wife comes and is the loving helpmeet, and as the children are to obey their authorities, mom and dad, and that basic family structure. Well... Technology deteriorates, deteriorates family structure by promoting rebellion. By promoting rebellion. And we can kind of see this a little. Um, I don't want to take this too far. In the fact that it's Eve that's making the decisions in some sense for the family here. And we see Adam abdicating his responsibilities. We'll talk about it in just a second. And there is a sense of rebellion here in the family structure. What, what, do we, what do we see today is that child knows best. Is that within this family structure, technology, iPhones, all these kinds of things um, focus our attention on the self. And um, it's not just teens, but just in, in this stage, it's oftentimes a more of a selfish time. I and mean, we were all selfish, aren't we? Um, 
But this is a challenge for our teens where they're really focused on themselves and technology promotes that in their life. And they cause themselves to focus on themselves, uh, to go to different kinds of authority out there on the internet. And it breeds rebellion. Well, my parents, they really don't know that much. Almighty Google knows all. And we bow down before it. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Hey, Google it. Where do, where do we come up with this? It's amazing. I say it all the time. Is there anything wrong with that? Just time out. Well, no. No, that's a great thing. We can, we can have instant information and access to those things. I think it's wonderful. But we have to be cautious, mom and dad, that knowing that the internet, all these things, breeds rebellion in our teens' lives. But it also breeds rebellion in our own lives as well. We have to be cautious. Uh, also, it deteriorates family structure by promoting passivity. And we see that, I think we see that in Adam's example here. It says that she gave him the fruit and he was with her. It seems to me as I look at this passage that he was there and probably there listening to the snake communicating to his wife. And Adam abdicated his responsibility as the leader, as the protector, and did not step in. Now, it could be taken that too far, but it would seem to indicate that to me, that he was with her. Have you ever heard the question, Dad? Hey, where's Dad at? Come to find out Dad's over there in his room on the computer or something like that, not spending time with the family, but he's... uh, they're watching the, the 20th episode of Monk or something like that. And he is passive. He allows the family to just run without impacting, influencing, encouraging, leading, loving, guiding, directing. It's just not the men. It's also can happen to the women as well as... You, maybe you ladies are jumping on Facebook just to see the nice little juicy gossip that's going on in people's lives that really is meaningless and means nothing or to see if someone commented on the picture of the food that you plopped on there or, and you get upset now that nobody said anything and they say, well, that didn't look very good or something like that and you feel bad about yourself. So on and so forth. And, and then you meant just to pop onto Facebook for about five minutes. And all of a sudden, three hours later, well, where are the kids at? And they're, they're out with, with paint all over them, with outside. And I almost told a story. Honest. <laughs> oh. I will tell a story. I thought it was funny. No, I won't. Okay. Okay. So technology dominates our family time. Technology deteriorates our family structure. Technology diminishes our family values. Diminishes our family values. One, it diminishes the family value of identity. Um, that, That our children should find their identity not in their social media status, Not in what their friends say about them online. Not in what they portray themselves to be online. And it's not just them. It's it's us too. How do you portray yourself online? 
Where is your identity found? And I think God has designed the family, that little nucleus there, to help us find our identity in Christ. And God has designed the family for that purpose. And the church family most definitely for that purpose. And technology deteriorates the family value of identity and finding that identity of who you are, why you exist in Christ through the nucleus of the family. It also diminishes the family value of truth. Diminishes the family value of truth. Have you, have you felt this before? That you go online and you are just bombarded with information. You have information overload. So much information is coming that uh, what, 50 years ago or so, we didn't have this much information. And, and then we expect our kids to just run rampant on the internet and then be able to determine what is true and what is not. When you, you, you just even listen to politics, I have no clue what true is when you listen to politics. I don't know who's right and who's wrong. It's just false lies all over the place. So what's right? What's wrong? And just this overload of information. Is that not a similar kind of thing that was happening in Genesis 3? And Satan was saying to Eve, Oh, But God knows that you are going to gain this knowledge and you're going to be like him. Whoa, whoa, what what does Eve do with this information? And it deteriorated. It diminishes the family value of truth. It diminishes the family value of service. Deep down, what is one thing that our technology promotes, and I've already said it, I think, several times, is that it promotes selfishness. It, it, it promotes a me mentality. It, it makes me introspective, looking within me. But family is designed to be selfless. When we are together, we are forced, at least try to, To love each other. To be kind with one another. To be patient with one another, even though you have five children and they're eight and under. (laughs) Please pray for me. (laughs) It's true. And, And when we have technology, we don't face that. We are selfish. Maybe, uh, parents, you've noticed this. Maybe you had uh, younger kids and they'd get up in the morning and they'd watch television. And, uh, and then, for, maybe for those of you who homeschool, and then you go do your schoolwork. It's a little bit different story, isn't it? They're crazy. Something happened to them. But if we start off, they're not on technology, they're not on anything like that, and they get straight to work, it's just like, well, what, did, what has just happened? It's night and day. It changes you. Um, And last one here, it diminishes the family value of intimacy. Oh, God has designed the family to be together, to love each other, to experience those hugs and kisses together. Teens, even even at your age, you need to hug and kiss your mom and dad. You're welcome, mom. (laughs) Um, And 
and, and we need to have this intimacy together. But, but when, we're, when we're online all the time, when we're playing our video games and those kinds of things, the intimacy is trying to, it's very difficult to have. Well, how can we work to how can we work towards putting this beast in its place behind bars or in a nice clear glass case? Well, there are many approaches, and I cannot answer all the questions that you have in your particular situation right now. Here are just a few things to think about, and maybe this is something that you need to add in your family. And this isn't just for those who have kids. This is for those who are single out there. This is for the teen to establish in his own life with his family to take seriously. This is for the the older adult who's looking towards marriage and considering how do I need to establish my family and technology and how that all works. This is for the grandpa and grandma out there that don't have kids, but you have grandkids. How can you use these ideas and thoughts to help your kid, your grandkids use technology biblically? This is for everybody. One is this. We need to acknowledge that we have a problem. We need to acknowledge that we have a problem. I have a problem. I do. <laughs> Feels good to confess in front of you guys. <laughs> But in light of this uh, preparation for this message, Cheris and I have, have realized we need to make changes in our own family when it comes to this issue and to think ahead as our kids get older. We need to acknowledge we have a problem. Two, we need to protect the home front from dangers as a result of the Internet. And we need to train our kids Protect the home front and train your kids. And within that box on your notes, I am not going to work through that. But that comes from a book which I would highly encourage you to purchase and read. is by Tim Chalice called The Next Story. Faith, Friends, Family, and the Digital World. And within that section, he has a, a, the family digital plan as a way of protecting your home, protecting your kids from um, uh, the, the dangers that are on the internet. Okay? So check that out, look at it, I think it'll be helpful. Number three, set technology fasts for family time. Set technology fasts for family time. Here's an idea one hour a day, no technology. Okay, I can, I can do that. I can do that. One day a week, no technology. <laughs> now, some of you are in a position where you, 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 you can't do that because of your job. I can understand that. So you have, to, you have to work something a little bit different. One day a week, okay. And one week a year. There's some of you here that haven't turned your phone off since you bought it two years ago. <laughs> if that's the case, go to number one. You have a problem. Number four. I like this one. Wake up before your device. Okay? 
That means you have to turn it off. Wake up before your device and make them go to bed before you do. Make them go to bed before you do. <laughs> so if you, you know, really, you can make your little bed for your phone. Just make sure, just make sure that it's not in your room. Okay, so parents, don't allow your teen to sleep with their phone in their room. Amen, teens? Yes. Yeah, like it. Don't do it. Don't allow them to. Because they will wake up with every ding, bing, and ping that comes on their phone. And they will wake up and you won't like it. Um, Five, use screens together with a purpose and not aimlessly alone. So dads, I mean, this this is up to you, but... I don't see an issue. I think it would be fun that you and your son or daughters, if they like playing video games, play with them. Play that weird Fortnite game that everybody's playing. <laughs> um, I mean, they're uh, with, you know, um, it, is, it is a good opportunity to uh, enjoy some bonding time together if they like that kind of stuff. I don't see anything wrong with that if it's okay with you. A six. Here's a good one. Car time is conversation time. So, I don't like it when I see it. I don't like it when I see a young man or woman in the car with mom and dad and earbuds plopped in their ears and they're listening and jamming to their music. Don't allow it. Tell them to unplug and then talk to them. They will hate it at first, but then they'll get to know you and they'll really love you because you're great. Okay? That's my suggestion. That's not, that's not uh, gospel truth there, but I would encourage you. And could for those of you who are of this persuasion and you like to put the one earbud in and walk around, would you stop doing that at least around me? Okay? I... I hate that. I, you know, you got your own, you got your own sound soundtrack going on, and uh, so, anyways, number seven, last one, um, spouses uh, have each other's passwords. Have each other's passwords. So, husband. You can get on your wife's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, email, whatever else she has at any time. Wives, you can get on your husband's email. (laughs) He might have those other things as well. Complete access. You know, of course, unless it's your job and, you know, it's secret and they, they really can't be on there legally. Uh, and parents have total access to children's technology. Oh, yeah. Total access to children's technology. They're in your home, my opinion. That's your phone, even if they bought it. Okay? You might not like that. But I think it's the case. You think about that one. You should have complete access to their technology. 
Um, God has blessed us with these technological advances that have come our way. And we have absolutely no idea what's ahead of us. And we can't prepare for everything. But you and I have to protect our families from this sneaky snake's opposition as he uses technology to tear our families apart and in turn tearing our churches apart. May we use technology in our families for the glory of God and not for distractions, not for merely amusements, not for isolation, passivity, any of those things, but for His honor and for His glory. God help us. God help us. Let's stand together and pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do give you thanks for giving us another day that we could be together as we are just reminded from your word about the opposition, about the methodology, about the sneaky attacks of the enemy in our lives, that nothing's really changed, but just kind of a medium has changed. And I pray that you would help us to think hard about, uh, about technology, uh, about adding more things to our life that we maybe have an idea that's just going to make our lives more wonderful. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to analyze all these things that we bring in um, and try as best as we can to discern how it's going to change our family dynamic for the good and for the bad. And so I pray that you would help us to, as Christians to think biblically in all these respects. As you've called us in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might know that perfect will of yours. So help us. We need your grace. We all falter in this area, I'm sure. And I pray that you would build strong families at Fellowship Bible Church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend.